Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Growing up, I uh, really, my family wasn't really super religious. We really didn't go to church uh, growing up. But I did have an uncle that was a very devout Catholic. And so he used to invite me to Mass. I don't know if any of you were former Catholics or remember Mass, but there is a really traditional Mass in Christmas or during Christmas season in Puerto Rico called Midnight Mass or Misa de Gallo. Does that ring a bell, anybody? All right, Midnight Mass. I don't really remember a lot about the service. I don't. But I do remember this because it was fascinating to me. When I would walk to service that day, I would walk by a nativity similar to this one, and it would have all the elements of nativity, but Jesus was not in the nativity. So I would ask my uncle, uncle, where is baby Jesus? Like, how can we have the nativity without baby Jesus? And he would always say, he's not born yet. He hasn't been born yet. And I'm like, huh? So service was at 11 p.m. And the mass or service lasted one hour. And again, I don't remember much about the service, but I do know something. On the way out of the service, as I walked through the lobby of the church, I would look at the nativity and baby Jesus was inserted into the nativity. And I thought that was the coolest, most amazing trick anybody had ever pulled out. Because I thought it was incredible. I was a kid and and it fascinated me to see Jesus appear in the nativity. And it makes sense uh, that that Noche Buena, that last night before Christmas, at midnight, Jesus is born. So they literally take that into a little sense and go ahead and insert Jesus. So I don't know if, um, you know, there was a priest that at 1145 was the one that was supposed to put baby Jesus in the nativity. I don't know how they made that happen. All I know is that when I walked out and I saw baby Jesus, I thought Christmas is complete. Like I I died and went to heaven. I'm I'm ready to have Christmas now because baby Jesus is where it needs to be. So uh, I, I think that as we grow older and it happens to all of us, we lose a little bit of the sense of wonder of what Christmas is all about. Because we get old adults and educated, and learned, and we think we know better, right? And we forget some of the innocence of back in the day. I think, like, when I look at Christmas nowadays, uh, it it reminds me of something. I definitely see that we have kept the gatherings of Christmas, we have kept the star of Christmas, we have kept the glitter, the lights, the gifts, all the things related to this scene. But when I look at Christmas in 2022, You know who's still missing? Jesus. It's just odd to kind of celebrate Christmas without this crucial, most important element. And so I pray tonight we would rediscover the miracle of Christmas, which is Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? All right. And give a hand to Jesus if you're going to give a hand because he is good. He's worthy to be praised. And let me get something out of the way while we're talking about this. Historically, 
most holidays can probably be linked to some sort of ancient pagan holiday. That's a historical fact. If you're going to get all worked up about that, and if you're going to waste your time linking and trying to see what the pagan tradition is behind every holiday, you're going to miss the meaning of Christmas. I'm going to not waste my time looking at what may be linked to the old customs of back in the day, and I'm going to enjoy my Christmas making sure I focus on the fact that Jesus was born. Whether he was born on the 24th, on the 25th, or on the 31st, it doesn't matter. I just want to celebrate Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not about the actual day or the details. Like, don't get caught up in that because you get caught up in that and you're going to miss a moment. You're going to miss the miracle. All I know is that I was lost and now I'm saved. Like, God came down in the form of a child and now we have a savior and I want to I make sure I make Christmas all about that and less about all these other research coming out and all this craziness that just people, people lose focus with that kind of stuff. Does that make, make sense to you, church? Are you with me? All right, thank you. I just had to get that out of my system because I get an email around every holiday. Hey, pastor, did you know? And I'm like, yes, I know I've heard, but don't miss the point, all right? So focusing on this uh, miracle of Jesus, we're gonna go to Luke chapter one, verse one. Luke chapter one, verse one. And as we go through the verses today, we have a lot of uh, room to cover. We're going to be looking at the book of Luke, and we're going to be looking at the season of Christmas, and we're going to do that for a couple of Wednesdays. So this is really cool that we get to spend some time focusing on the birth story or the origin story of Christmas. And so as we look at the Word of God, I want to encourage you to listen to promises. Let me say that again. Keep your ears open to promises. When you hear a promise, make it your own. Let me say that again. When you hear a promise tonight from the Word of God, like grab it. Be a promise grabber. Promises sometimes you have to like make them your own and appropriate yourself um, so that you can have them come to pass in your own life. So as we hear promises, make them your own for you and for your family. Can I get an amen on that? All right. Let's go to Luke 1, verse 1 through 4. The Word of God says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know how the certainty of the things you, that you have been taught. Let me read that last sentence again. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I want to talk about how the miracle of Christmas impacted all these people that are mentioned in the first chapter of Luke. So, the first one it impacts is literally the author of the book. So I'm going to call Luke a witness of the miracle. Can I get a witness? We say that. Right? Who's a witness? Somebody that has seen, heard, and experienced something. Okay? Before Jesus called Luke to be a disciple, he was a physician. He was a doctor. But Luke was impacted by the life of Jesus in such a way 
that he reorganizes his entire life to become a careful follower of server and recorder of the life of Jesus. He actually becomes a consummate historian of Jesus Christ and writes an incredible biography. We can call that the book of Luke. And we have that today and we use it for the Christmas story. He has seen so many incredible things. He decides he's going to be a written witness of the life of Jesus. And he begins to study his life from the beginning. Because he is a thinker, he makes it his passion to write an orderly account. You hear you almost see like that methodical approach rather, like as a doctor. You, you see that in his approach. As you read that chapter one and the verses that we read, you begin to see an approach with what he's doing. Let me say something about this. Some people are going to approach faith as thinkers and intellectuals. Let me say something really quickly. That is okay. It's okay to approach faith like that. Some people approach faith with the need for empirical evidence. This is how God wired them. They begin to look at the word and they, 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 they seek for evidence in the word. That's not a bad thing. Luke is an example of this. Thomas, the disciple, is another example of this approach. And even the wise man used this approach as well. By the way, those areas in which that have to do with the life of Jesus after or before Luke met him or when he was a child, it is recorded that uh, Mary was the actual, uh, one of the greatest source for Luke's uh, gospel. So he used Mary as a little eyewitness of the origin of Jesus to write the book of Luke. I thought that was a pretty cool and interesting fact. These are the facts. By some accounts, more than 300 Old Testament prophecies point to Jesus Christ and were fulfilled by him during his life on earth. 300 Old Testament prophecies at least spoke of Jesus. One of those promises included his miraculous birth. Let's go to Isaiah 7.14. Let's touch on a few of them. Isaiah 7.14, the prophet writes... Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to who? To a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, I want you to know that every Israelite was familiar with this prophecy and was expecting it to come to pass. Everybody knew that the Messiah was going to come from a virgin. This unique birth is a Christmas miracle in itself. And it takes childlike wonder and innocence to approach it, believe it, and appropriate it. Not everyone believed this virgin birth back then or even today. By the way, 66% of Americans believe Jesus was born to a virgin. That's the statistic. I think that's actually pretty high, the way we are living in the United States lately. But 66% believe that Jesus was born to a virgin. Down from 73% in 2014. That's a big drop. But listen, we at Faith Assembly believe that Jesus was born from a virgin 100%. And if it's 99%, I pray by the end of the message, you believe as well. It's okay. Just, just, just open your mind. So his... 
actual birth was miraculous, his birthplace was prophesied as well. Let's go to Micah 5.2. The word of God says, and please read with me. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So the precise location of the birth of, of the Messiah was also prophesied. So even the birthplace of Jesus was foretold by the word of God. As every Israelite knew that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. Still talking about Jesus, continuing in verse 4 of Micah, the word of God says, Micah 5, 4. He will stand and shepherd his flock. Now, I'm about to mention an amazing promise, so please listen. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. Can I get an amen? For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Woo, that's a pretty good one. Talking about you and me, the word of God says that because he's our shepherd, we are going to live securely. Oh, that's so good to hear in 2022. And that his name or his fame will be expanded or will reach the ends of the earth. That makes me happy as a missions pastor because his fame is reaching the ends of the earth as we speak. I think these are incredible promises that we can take and hold of this Christmas. All of the characters in the manger, by the way, were familiar with these, script, with these scriptures and these prophecies. It is what drew them to that moment and that event. It's literally why they are there. I'm going to explain to you a little bit more about how each of them got in there in a minute, but let's continue with the second person that was impacted in this passage with the miracle of Christmas. Number one, Luke, he's a witness of the miracle. Second person named this, Theophilus. Say with me, Theophilus. If you're getting, if you're getting ready to have a baby boy, I recommend this amazing name. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but hey, Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God, by the way. He is an heir of the miracle. Say with me, heir of the miracle. Luke writes this book, the book of Luke, to a wide audience. That included people from Asia Minor, Middle East, South of Italy, and even North Africa. So the book is written to a lot of people, but it is dedicated to a man named Theophilus. Now, it is estimated that this man was probably not called Theophilus, but this was his baptism name. He was probably a high-ranking official in the government, and to protect his identity, they went ahead and called him by his baptismal name, or a new name that was given when he became a Christian, which is called Theophilus, or lover of God. So Luke writes about Theophilus, he says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Now, I love that Luke is emphasizing this. This is why we must read the gospel, because they affirm our faith. Let me say that again. Especially in Christmas, take some time, it's not that long, take some time to read through the gospels. Maybe pick one of them, maybe Luke. But Luke is saying, you already believe Theophilus, I just want you to be certain about what you believe. Theophilus was already discipled. 
But we should not only aspire to be discipled, we should aspire to be strong and firm disciples. Are you with me, church? So that no one can shake what you have believed. So he's saying, I want you to be like good with what you know, but I want you to know it for certain. I want your shape to be unmovable. I'm going to ask you tonight, is your faith unmovable? Have you held so fast to what you believe that no one can move it or even shake you from it or remove you from it? Or are you swayed by winds of doctrine? Are you swayed by news that come out that are contrary to the word of God? Or a TikTok video or a whatever, a YouTube video that says this or that. Do you let those things influence you away from the original faith that you believed? I pray to God, no. I pray that you are firm in what you have believed and that what you believe, especially this Christmas, it's reaffirmed in such a way that you believe and practice your faith with certainty. Say with me, certainty. We need certainty in the church. We need certainty in our homes. We need certainty in our families. As the world changes, believers live with certainty for we know who in whom we have believed. We know who owns our lives. We know the creator of heaven and earth. We live and serve him so we are not swayed. We live in certainty, not in uncertainty. Next person that gets impacted by the story of the Christmas miracle. Number one, we said Luke. He is a witness of the miracle. Theophilus, great name for your kid. He's an heir of the miracle. He received that miracle through discipleship. Third one, Elizabeth. She's a recipient of the miracle. Say with me, Elizabeth. That's a good name. If you're going to have a girl, you have permission to name your girl Elizabeth. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. A lot of supernatural things begin to occur right before the birth of Jesus. So, in fact, um, Elizabeth is, is barren, like she cannot have children. And her and Zechariah are praying. Zechariah is a priest. They're praying. The Bible calls them two people that live blameless before God, that served the Lord faithfully and lived blameless before him. And they were believing that God would give them a child. The Lord first begins to talk to Zechariah and tells him, you are going to have a son. Of course, he doesn't believe. There's this whole story. You got to read it. It's awesome. The Lord shuts his mouth. So he's mute for a little bit. It's pretty cool. But there's all these supernatural and incredible things that are happening. And so we're going to pick up right there. Luke 1.26. The word of God says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee. I just, that sentence right there is already miraculous. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Ah, so good to see God's fulfillment of his promises. So good to see it. So time is marked even by that miracle. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. We're going to jump to verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she enters the Gariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Again, that's her cousin. So she, uh, 
Mary receives this, this, this promise, this announcement, and she runs to her cousin. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, wait. Literally, Mary said, hi, I'm home. And Elizabeth heard that, and immediately she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I think that's a Christmas miracle. That's a pretty insane Christmas miracle that Jesus already as a baby, virtue is flowing from him. Virtue is flowing from him. Not because someone touched the hem of his garment. Even from the womb, it's like... So, like, I'm sorry, I'll give you sound effects, but I just, I just see it like that. I just see God, God's power emanating from Mary. She's just saying hi. And Elizabeth, like, ah, like having a church right there at the house and singing and praising and screaming and saying, the minute you say your name, I just, she was baptized, right? Just full of the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women. She's talking about Mary. And blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. So a couple of things are happening with Elizabeth. That's why she literally is the recipient of the miracle. So number one, she couldn't have babies. She's about to be the mother of a baby. Not just any baby. Elizabeth is going to be the mother of who? John the Baptist. Like the guy that's going to prepare the way. For Jesus. And so that's an incredible miracle. Then she like receives not only that promise of giving, like literally having a baby, but also receives the fullness of the Spirit by this encounter between Mary and her. I just think that's incredible. I just think that's miraculous. We can't miss those little details that are inserted in there to tell, you know, something like, like something supernatural is just exploding in this season. Something supernatural is exploding in this region. By the way, this is like the backwoods of Israel, like up in the countryside, back in Galilee. This, this thing is happening. Miraculous things are happening. God, God's speaking to angels. Like there's stuff going on. What is going on? A lot is going on. And it's because something has been released in this environment. Something is about to be birthed. Something is about to explode from this region that will impact the entire world. And the fruits of it are just supernatural miracles happening right and left. And so Elizabeth receives the baby. Elizabeth receives the Holy Spirit. And I just love Elizabeth's humility. Mary comes in and she says, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Wait, wait, wait a minute. She's already calling Jesus what? Lord. But he hasn't been born. I mean, talk about a woman of discernment and a woman of a prophetic voice. Like, she's already calling him Lord. She's already receiving Jesus into her heart as Lord and Savior. He hasn't even been born. So, she's the recipient of the miracle of supernatural birth of the Holy Spirit. And I believe part of that is because she's so humble. She's so open to what the Spirit is doing in her life. She, she even recognizes the Lordship of Jesus as it walks in through even in the womb of Mary. People like that get blessed. Humble people get blessed. Let me say that again. If you have humility, if you have wonder, 
If you're like that, the type of person who's like, I'm not worthy that you come to my house. Like if you're that humble, like that opens up the doors of the supernatural into your life and the miraculous into your life. Am I talking to a Pentecostal church? Because I, I would be rejoicing at that one. Like when there is humility, when there is openness to recognizing who the Lord is, the supernatural is released into you and into your house. Miracles begin to be released. I, I believe that God's going to begin to release some miracles tonight. I am believing for the supernatural. I believe a season, I'm believing for a season of Christmas that will be full of wonder and full of the supernatural because that's what happens during Christmas. How many of you believe that? Amen. Okay, good. I need to ask again just to double check. Those of you who say amen, like you, that conviction begins to come in. It's like, let it be, Lord. Amen. Say it, right? Uh, receive it. So she is the recipient of miracles, like, like several of them, like God's all over Elizabeth. And like that's Mary's cousin, and they're having this interaction that is beautiful. And so I just love what's going on with Elizabeth. Love what's going on with Luke. Love what's going on with Theophilus. Love what's going on with Elizabeth. Now let's go to Mary. Mary is a vessel of the miracle. And I believe that word has two S's. She is a vessel of the miracle. Say with me, vessel. Same thing as saying she's an instrument, right, of the miracle. Mary is obviously a crucial part of the nativity story. She had faith beyond her years, and she was familiar with all the prophecies about the birth of the Messiah. Never in a million years did she think the great Christmas miracle would come through her. Like she knew the Messiah would come, she just didn't know it would come through her. Let's pick it up right when the angel makes this announcement to Mary. Luke 1, verse 28, if you can read that with me. We're taking our time to read the word today and consume the word without a hurry so that the word can be digested and can have good fruits in us. Are you with me? Let's do it. Luke 1, 28, the word of God says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And check it out. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. That begins to ring, should begin to ring a bell to her and to anybody listening because this is not just any ordinary baby. Let me read that again. It says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Wow. So David was promised that, that the scepter will always be in the house of Judah. In other words, that the ruling that, that David's family will rule forever in Israel. And so that was the promise that came through the tribe of Judah. Anybody knew, everybody knew it. By the way, tribe of Judah, that's the tribe of Joseph. Like, 
Everybody knows that there is this eternal reign of King David. But how is that going to happen? Well, it's going to happen supernaturally. But how? David is not eternal. Well, one of his offsprings will be. And this is Jesus. And so basically he's saying, the minute he said, well, this baby is not a common baby. The Lord is going to give him the throne of David and he will reign forever. That's like, like what? My question would be, what did you just say? Like, what just came out of your mouth? Like, I'd be scared to death at the what. But I love the fact that she does not ask what. Look at what she asks. Verse 34. It says, how will this be? Mary asks, since I am a virgin. <laughs> there's, there's, you know, there's something that has to happen, right? Like, wait, wait a minute, what's going on here? So notice he did not ask, what are you saying? Or what are you talking about? She knows that the Messiah is coming. She knows there is a special virgin birth. Like she knows that. What she's asking is, how will this happen? How precisely is this thing going to happen when I have known no man? You need to, you need to talk to me. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God is going to give you the what before he gives you the how. Let me say that again. Sometimes God is going to give you the what before he gives you the how. But you, when he gives you the what, you have to capture that and believe it and make it your own. When he gives you the what, wait until he gives you the how. Like believe it, begin acting on it, and he'll give you the how later. But first you need to receive that what. How many of you receive it? For some of you, God has promised the salvation of your unsaved family members. Maybe you have a son that's a wayward son. He's out there. God's promised that to you. Like, like, you know, you shall serve the Lord, you and your household. Like, you have promises over your life. Maybe there's a ministry prophesied over your life. Maybe there is a business prophesied over your life. Maybe there's a level of prosperity that you know God has talked to you about, but that hasn't happened yet. I'm going to tell you tonight, don't worry so much about the how. Because you begin questioning the how, you actually begin questioning the what. Receive the what and let God handle the how. So stop right there. Close your eyes. Tell him, Jesus, I receive the promises you have for me. There's things, God, that I don't know yet. Like I don't, haven't seen him yet. There's words over me, over my children. And I am not going to be tired until I see those come to pass. God, Work in my house, work in my, in my life, work in my, in my family. Have your way, bring salvation, Lord. You know, only you know. Lord, I trust you before I question you. So I trust you tonight. And Lord, later show me the how. And surprise me because you do that too, Lord. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Whew. See, there's something changes when you open yourself to, to, the, to the, what God is doing, right? It's incredible. Verse 35, we're going to keep going. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. Like he's talking to Mary. She just asked, how is this going to happen? He's saying, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. So this is when she gets also wind of what the Lord is doing with her cousin. And she who, had, who was said to be unable to conceive 
is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Let me read that again. For no word from God will ever fail. No word that God has spoken over you is going to fall on the floor. If God sent his word, that word is going to accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. If God gave a word, you wait until it comes to pass. You wait, you wait, you wait because it's went out through time and eternity and that will come to you. God promised it already. No word from God will ever fail. It will be fulfilled. And what I love is Mary's response. Because the angel scared her. She knows the what. So she knows her prophetic. Like she knows Old Testament. She's good with the what. Oh, this is what's happening? <laughs> okay. Okay. Ha, right. And the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit, if you're open, the Holy Spirit's going to like give you the power. And he's going to supernaturally give you the ability to have this child. And so she expresses that openness before the Lord. And in verse, verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And that's the key. That's the key for her to be the vessel of the miracle is those words right there. After this conversation, after asking the how, she's going, you know what, God? You do your thing. I don't even understand it. I don't even get it. But I'm willing. I'm your servant. You know, that opens us up to promises. God has things he wants to do through us. But we have to have the ability to be open just like Mary and say, Lord, let it be your way. Like, let it be done. Like, go ahead and do it. God's a gentleman. Like, he's not going to, like, force himself on you. Like, have you have that openness where he's able to come in and do what he needs to do with you and with us. I pray that, that, that the miracle of Christmas uh, would, would, would come to pass in your life. Like when God was asking Mary, that, that, that lady, again, like I'm saying, servant girl, young, not ignorant, young, learned, she knew her things. She was young, but she knew. You could, she sings a poem called the Magnificat. She like describes this incredible poem where she starts citing like historically what's going to happen like she knows her her history her prophecy she knows that but besides all that she's open to what the spirit needs to do through her and so she says yes to God what I pray is that when God comes and says I want to use you as an instrument I need to do something and I need you to be the instrument oh but that sounds like it's going to cost me Yes, he will. Are you willing? Are you willing? I have a miracle I need to do with someone, but you are the vessel. It's easy when something else or someone else is the vessel. But sometimes God's going to say, no, the thing I want to do is through you. Are you open to what my spirit wants to do with you? Yeah, I'm going to be quiet a little bit until the Holy Spirit kind of like gets that in you. Let that sink in. Are you open with what the Spirit wants to do through you? Because there's a miracle for somebody and you may very well be the vessel. You may be the one, the instrument that God uses. You understand when we say no, when we're unwilling, we stop or delay the miracle for somebody else. 
May we be vessels of miracles. May miracles flow through us. Like, remember what I was saying? Let that be us. God wants to do that with us too. Not just with baby Jesus from the womb. And trust me, this was not an easy thing to say yes. With that miracle came, came a price. There's a lot of people who didn't believe that that birth or that baby was legitimate. There was rumors of that baby being illegitimate. There was rumors even when Jesus was a child, there is hints historically that they mocked him even, said, mm, this kid, no, we don't know his origin. And they would mock him. Even Pharisees hinted with some of their jokes and some of their jabs. Like there was a price to pay for that miracle. The Lord also tells Mary later, a sword will pierce your heart. That, miracles come with, that miracle comes with a little pain. You're good now, but one day you're going to have to give him up and a sword will pierce your heart. How many of you want that prophetic word in your life? Yeah, not many of us. It comes with a price. But if God asks you to be a vessel, trust me, there is miracles for others. And he will help you. And even though there is a price to pay, he will give you the ability. He will bless you. He'll give you the strength, the stamina, the wisdom to, to do it and to see God move in incredible ways. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Last person that I wanted to mention because it is mentioned in Luke 1. The Bible talks a little bit about Joseph. And there's more coming. That will, there'll be more specific, longer passages in Luke about these other characters. But with Joseph, Joseph is the protector of the miracle. The protector of the miracle. I'm going to only mention two things about Joseph. Because he's mentioned, I think, like we don't give enough credit to Joseph. We mention Mary a lot. God bless Mary. Mary's cool. Mary's awesome. But we got to talk a little bit more about Joseph. Come on, let's give some credit. Can I get the guy saying amen? Sometimes the mothers get all the credit, Right? Look at Mother's Day cards and Father's Day, what? Okay, let me not open old wounds, but let's kind of go back to this thing. Joseph made it his mission to protect Jesus. He knew also the prophecies. He understood what was happening. He had the faith because the angel also made an announcement to him. He, did, he protected the miracle. He protected it in two ways. Number one, he protected Jesus by marrying his mother to protect her from shame and possible death too. In this culture, if you're pregnant without a husband, there was a risk to you. But he marries her by faith. That's not an easy one. But he's the protector of the miracle by marrying Mary, his mother. He knew who she had in her womb was the Son of God. And he was to be the earthly father of Jesus. And then he protected Jesus by listening to God when there was trouble. Remember when there was a risk to the life of Jesus? The Lord gives Joseph a dream and he takes his family and takes them where? Uh-huh, to Egypt. few Sunday school students here. Awesome. By the way, that happens right after the wise men come and give gold. So Joseph probably used some of that gold to take his family to Egypt for a little bit. So God, who knows all things, makes a provision 
so that, then, so that when the dangerous time of trouble came, Joseph could be the protector of his family and had the means to do it and was able to be in Egypt for a little bit. And then God said, come back from Egypt because you're safe to come back. So there's this whole deal where Joseph is protecting Jesus. He's protecting the Messiah. Like he's, he's, he knows his role, okay? And it's heroic what he does. Can I get an amen? One of my favorite things at my house for Christmas is that we, we collect nativity scenes. My wife is a collector of nativity scenes. We have nativity scenes from all over the world. I mean, Mexico, Togo, I mean, everywhere. They're, they're incredible. They're different shapes and colors. There's something really beautiful about, about it. I know when Christmas is in my house, Margarita starts getting like the 17 or 20 different nativities and my house gets like inundated with nativities and I love it because the whole point is that Jesus needs to be the center of this deal like yes we'll have a tree guys yes but nativities are it okay because we need to remember what happened here we need to remember like what it symbolizes like like this guy's here because he believed the promises of God with certainty. He became the protector of the miracle. How cool is that? That's why he's here. Mary, she's here because she believed the promises with certainty. And she became the vessel, the vessel. So she symbolizes those who are open to the miracles of God. He symbolizes those who know how to protect the words and prophetic words that God gives. These wise men, how do you think they got there? They were not even Christian. They're like, these men, theoretically, like, like in, if you do some research, they come from northern Iran. It took months for them to get here. They probably get here, like Pastor Matt was saying, later, a little bit later, but they're still on the scene because symbolically this is it. These are the parties involved. But they, 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 they see a sign on the sky and they research your scriptures and they spend money to come and make this trek that took them probably two years, a year and a half to get to Jerusalem and find baby Jesus. They use their money. They use their own research. Like they, they're seeking. They, they know there's a miracle and they want to go see what this is all about. Their lives were never the same. Once they saw Jesus, by the way, never the same. And they three, I know, but probably they traveled with an entourage of like security cooks. Like there was this whole group of camels coming in because this was an important thing. They also represent, you know what they represent too? Those who are far. That the gospel of Jesus or the miracle of Christmas is for those who are far too. Those who are far from Jesus geographically and spiritually. There are still people from northern Iran that have not heard right now, 2022, the name of Jesus. Years after, we still got to go reach them and they still got to come seek the Lord. Would you continue giving to mission so that wise men can still seek him? Would you? Think about that. Shepherds. If they represent like the learned intellectual, maybe upper levels of society, the shepherds represent the simple. Guess who God revealed himself to first? The shepherds. Because like the poor in spirit, they're blessed. 
some of the most sensitive people to the move of God and to what the Spirit is doing is simple people. The workers out there that are like working and, and doing like incredible hard things for God out in fields and farms and different things. And God is saying, they, they, I'm, I'm going to show myself to them first. And they believed, by the way, that the promises were certain and they showed up. The angel, of course, is the one announcing to everybody what's going on. But there's, the, there's this whole deal going on right here. And the miracle of Christmas is what has brought everybody to this moment. There's animals too. We're not going to talk about the animals, but they, I think they also came by to just check the creator, right, that night. I think that's cool. I just think that this nativity without Jesus also reminds me as we close here of our lives without Christ like we may have the adornment we may look like we have it all together but something essential is missing like there's a spot that is like empty and open because it needs to be filled by one and only thing which is Jesus Christ the Savior of the world. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.